So I think there's a thing of like any religion that starts to try and control its people too much will start to move into binaries. This is good. And this is bad. Mm. This is us and this is them. And that's, a, you know, just a way to control a population, really. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chai with Rai. Hi, I'm your host, Rai. And each week I bring you a guest or a fruitful message from the creative industry, all while sipping and spilling some hot garam chai and discussing all things life and culture surrounding the creative industry of course now if you haven't done so make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode if you love this podcast and are listening to this on spotify apple Podcasts, audible or wherever you stream your podcast from if you could do me a kind favor and make sure to rate the podcast and share it on your stories on social and spread the word it organically grows the show and connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before and overall just shares the love. So without further ado, let's warm up our cup as I feel like a nice saffrony haldi cha. Mm, yeah, that's what I'm feeling right now. Let me know, by the way, what you're sipping on as you listen to this episode. And let's dive into today's episode with actor Sonera Angel. All right. Well, I like to start the show with a little bit of a game and then we get into like deep, meaningful conversations and then we <laughs> end with games as well. It's called five second rule. So basically within five seconds, you have to list, say or do three things. We'll start with a test run and then we'll go into it. Oh so goodness. in five seconds, list three things you must do before going to sleep. Put on my eye mask, uh, find my cats, get the duvet as far over my body as possible. <laughs> good good there you go and your cats what was the names it was ahsoka and another oh my god the other one i forgot anakin that's it they're both it. i knew there was god how old are yeah, they i'm a star wars nerd so did you like the reboot or do you like the natalie portman version i i, I like both pick one <laughs> pick one no um no um yeah i'll pick natalie portman classic childhood <laughs> That is true. I didn't realize what's her name was in it. Oh, pouty. She pouts a lot. Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley. Really? I wouldn't associate pouting with Kira Knightley. <laughs> in the earlier days, you would associate pouting. That's what she was known for. I don't know. She's not that pouty in Bennett with Beckham. Kind of is. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Bennett like Beckham is, is <laughs> the OG Kira Knightley. <laughs> that is true. To be discussed. All right, this is no longer your um your trial. This is these are the real <laughs> questions. In an interview that you did for Country and Townhouse magazine, when asked how you started painting again, you respond to the lines of that you restarted when your agent posted that they wanted a photograph to be turned into a painting. So it reignited it, and you did an oil painting for her. And for now, you do this thing, which I don't know if it was a wrap gift or you kind of just did it for obsession. Oh, where yeah. you painted, uh, well, you did prints of hands of the characters that something was important to them and then gifted it to them. So with that in mind, list three ways of saying I'm hungry without saying I'm hungry. Uh, I'm famished. I'm starving. I'm ah! Yeah, I'm gonna try and throw you off. By the way, just to let you know, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you think you think it's going somewhere, but it's not. All right, so I, it was. I'm famished. What was the other one? I didn't listen. I was counting down. I don't know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> you usually say I'm hungry. Ravenous was the last one. Fabulous. Ravenous. 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 Ooh, that's a good word. That's a good word. <laughs> Should we move on to the next one? Right. You only got two more. God, okay, ready to be thrown off now. Yeah, uh, hey. We'll see. I feel like this will be somewhat in the world of 
You worked as a writer on a short called Sleep with Cheyenne Ali. Because uh, uh, let's say uh, apparently you did it. Am I am I getting that information wrong? Is IMDb no, getting this wrong? No, that's no, right. That's right. That's right. Cheyenne's a friend of mine. <laughs> there you go. In 2019. Um, however, it doesn't have a logline available on IMDb. So getting our creative juices flowing, and you're an actor, you can also improvise. If Shakira was in a scene in sleep, and the scene is you guys are going to Lidl, and the self-checkout isn't working, and she's about to go to sleep, what three things would she say? Go. Oh, my goodness. Um, can't even think. Wow, you threw me off completely. My brain was just playing la 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 and I was like, that's not helpful. As she's, as she's falling down. <laughs> Let's sleep about why doesn't it have a log line because it's like one minute long it's super short and it's basically like a, a girl is having insomnia and um listens to Shakira. YouTube conspiracy theories oh. and starts to think that she's being haunted by like aliens and she needs to get rid of this like curse by covering her windows and weird symbols and turning her shoes upside down and all sorts of weird things oh in one minute you delivered all of this <laughs> I'm here for it. You should put it up. It's not available anywhere. I tried to look for a yeah, lot. Yeah, it was. It was on YouTube for a while because it was. It was part of the Moment Invitational competition, which is uh, to film something on an iPhone. Yeah. Which is why we wrote it. We were just like, let's enter this. <laughs> we filmed it in like one day in Cheyenne's friend's flat. Nice. <laughs> but it was. It was up. But he's in control of it, so I don't know if he's submitting it to things or. But Cheyenne, if you hear this, <laughs> do a second. Hey, Cheyenne. Yeah. There's a fan base out there. They want to see it. Yeah, and we want to see a second installation with Shakira now. <laughs> so make that happen. Um, All right, your last and final question. In an interview you did for Pink News when asked, how did you bring your own identity as a queer non-binary person into your character? She had a brilliant wardrobe. Your answer is, I actually ended up stealing a lot of Sally's clothing. Wow, thief. <laughs> Initially, Sally was a bit more butch in terms of clothing. I'm not super girly, but as we were doing rehearsals, we thought Sally is really now new to discovering her sexuality. Also, I really like that scene where you're wearing that uh, bridesmaid's dress. I really thought that was really good. There was something really like, I don't know if cute is the word, but like really, you know, when films or moments in entertainment just make you think of like humane expressions. So like if you're eating food that is like spicy and like there's like water coming out of spitzing, <laughs> right. like certain things just are like very... Well, that means a lot. Thank you. So yeah, it was like very humane. And I was like, so with that in mind, now throwing you off, tell me three lies you have told someone to get out of something oh is that okay my good. agent says no my mom says no um my boyfriend says no <laughs> <laughs> and none of them are true none of them are true i, it's I good, say no <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing you lie because there's a lot of people that'll be on here they'll be like i don't tell lies <laughs> You have story. to. Do you lie to your really close, close people? Because I'm recently trying not to, but I feel like sometimes you have to protect them by lying to them. It depends who you like. Like me and my partner, we never lie to each other because we're both just really honest people, and we get that deep. But like, I've definitely lied to people close to me. I lie to my parents all the time to protect them. They yeah. don't. They don't need to know. <laughs> they don't need to know what life I'm living. <laughs> All right, well, let's get <clears throat> into deep, meaningful conversations and let's start to unpick things, if that is all right. Your your first question is going to be, I'm intrigued to know what your experience has been working on big budget versus small budget 
and how you approach the world of as an actor, like what your process is when you get this, get the scripts, get your slides initially. And then like, there's like redrafting and rechanges happening. And then when you're on set, when you're filming, because screen acting is a really different beast that sometimes I think anybody can teach you a lot of these things at classes but when you get on set you really have to have a personal approach to it in terms of the difference between small budget and big budget is it it is literally just oh it's more money and more crew more crew involved definitely but I feel like it runs exactly the same everything that you experience on a small budget film you will see it again on a larger scale and just be like oh but this time the drama involves more people (laughs) (laughs) or this time this time we're losing thousands of pounds on these takes not like like um the very first film that I ever worked on a short film um called The Graveyard Shift uh it was a student film and it was filmed on actual film like roles so Uh every time we got a take wrong or they needed to like reset we were losing money because we were losing film and that was actually a really intense way and honestly I'm kind of glad that was my first film because it made me value the take so much more when you then go on to digital and you can kind of oh that's cool we'll just do another take but like that is like an introductory straight into the fire (laughs) that is a lot yeah yeah it really helped but you know we like we were terrified because like we were like we can't mess up any lines we'll waste film (laughs) so you can't improv as well and things like that which gives it like it's so much more technical isn't it at that point Mm, absolutely it was like you hit your mark you don't move even slightly outside your mark (laughs) because otherwise the focus will be off and then the the take is gone (laughs) well in terms of initially when I first get things I am a bit of a uh a Pinterest guy um I, I love to just like create a board for every character like I think there's still like Pinterest boards for like the short films that I did and stuff um and and some of the features where I just like created everything that I could find that reminded me of the character and I'd be like oh that clothing or that that quote is is the kind of thing that they would say or feel and then I kind of have this just big visual thing to look at whenever I'm feeling like so what would they do in that situation I can just go back to the board and be like Right, so this is kind of their fears, this is kind of their aesthetic, this is how they kind of move, and then I just draw everything from that. So that's my initial thing that I do on my own. But then on set and stuff, I always love to get a vibe with the people that I'm working with, um, and again, work out how we feel as characters. Like on, on Obsession, it was a whole thing where Charlie Murphy had to like stay separate from us, and then Rish, Indira, and Richard and I were all like, playing like games to bond with each other and doing rehearsals and everything. And they were like, yeah, let's let's just keep Charlie outside the family because Anna is this, this outside force that comes in. So it meant that like Charlie and I, when we were doing our scenes, that was the most we were interacting. Um, and she's, she's so lovely, but it did create this wonderful kind of like interesting dynamic between us where we we were sussing each other out as people as well as sussing each other out as characters and I think that really helps with the kind of way that like Sally is sort of being quite vulnerable and bringing this information to Anna and Anna's kind of having to manipulate and work around that without fully knowing what Sally's levels are and what she's up to and everything um, and I think just us both being a bit more unfamiliar with each other really help with that since we're speaking on obsession intrigued to know a couple of things which is what is something that you guys shot or worked on that didn't make the final cut and that you're like oh my god why or or just like oh my god I wish that was in there 
And also intrigued to know, this is more of a self journey question, which is the mental. I don't know if you have felt like this and you can be like, I don't know if this question relies to me, but I recently have been talking to a lot of actors and recently got to work on a big budget film. And even though it was like a tiny, tiny scene in it, I feel like the magnitude of that mentally, I wasn't prepared for Like as an actor, I did the work, but like being intimidated almost by the actor who was playing the lead or like the director and things like that. I feel like even though I was doing like my breath work and even though I was like staying in character or like doing things that I had like five lines, I feel like nobody teaches you those things. And I wonder if you have ever experienced that or you experienced that on Obsession or other projects that you have, you're doing or about to do and how you kind of care around that. Most of it made it, but um, there were quite a few scenes that were shortened. So it's things like there's a scene, I think, after after the engagement where we're all at um, the parents' house and we're just like at dinner. And we did like a whole improv thing where we were chatting to each other. And I think like Sally's girlfriend, Kelly, came up and there was like, when's she going to come here? You know, like there was a whole thing. It was before the engagement party. Yeah, and we had we had quite a few scenes actually like that where we would just be improving stuff. And then the scene in the final thing is just covered by music. So none of that mattered. <laughs> Savage. Yeah, no, in terms of costume, like I said, there was there was like a butcher stuff and we started putting it on me and it just didn't feel right for the character. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that costume didn't make the cut. There was a lot of corduroy in that, which is a shame because I do like corduroy. Oh. Um, <laughs> like this is this is nice, but it's not Sally. <laughs> Did you get to keep the corduroy? Because I did not. Oh, I did not. Damn it. It was gone by the time they were being like, hey, do you want costume? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? I'll just take it. <laughs> just take it. We move on. Yes, the mental state. Would you like me to repeat yes. that question? Or you feel like you kind of got... I, I feel like I kind of got it. Um, I don't feel like I was that intimidated on Obsession. But again, like that was because we had a whole rehearsal week where we got to know everyone and everyone was goofy and lovely. And that kind of broke that spell. <laughs> mm. It was like, oh, these are people. Whereas I feel like the first big thing I worked on the third day with Jude Law, I was I very much felt that where I was just there, like, okay, oh my god, I'm I'm acting opposite Jude Law <laughs> for my first ever job. I have I had three lines, I had three lines, but I was like, these lines have to be perfect, <laughs> or I ruin everything. Uh, and then they were cut from the final show. Oh <laughs> that scene was cut. But uh, yeah, I was very intense about it. And I was terrified. I was actually like shaking on set. And I was there like, okay, we've got to we've got to get in the zone and stop shaking. <laughs> Calm down. Um, and again, Jude was absolutely lovely himself. Um, and by this point, we had been hanging out for a couple of weeks, but as as like completely offset. <laughs> yeah. We were all trapped on an island together. But it, we had like I hadn't filmed anything intense yet. I had just done like crowd scenes. So I was like, oh God, the camera's on me now. Like on me. <laughs> And yeah, I don't know what tips I would have. Like, I just panic, let myself panic. But right as they start going like, okay, it's like set, (laughs) camera, lights. And they're like, okay, let it go. Just do it. I think that's so interesting as well that you're talking. Two things I just want to say, I don't know if you disagree or agree with this, which is like, I feel like COVID changed the proximity of how the, the, the dynamic, like, unless you're working on a really time scope of something of a project rehearsals like that didn't exist as much unless you were like the core core team and I feel like COVID really like 
kind of like utilize that and after that like you would now even if you have like a couple lines you get your own trailer you have like somebody on set like looking are you okay are you mentally well like things are there even if you have things so I feel like that it really changed I don't know if you agree or disagree with that and then the second thing is which is you talked about this in one of your interviews certain things that you do in the background just like actions count so much more towards the physicality and the building of your 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 role in the project but then as soon as you have lines I don't know there's something about being an actor that you're like the lines are the thing and if I don't deliver them like I can do all of the physical shit that I need to but if it's the lines and if you don't deliver them or experiment with them or do whatever that is like the the thing that you'll be like oh, to all as you were saying before you were like oh shit oh shit I, it needs to be perfect <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. especially when it's accents as well and you're there like I'm thinking about the accent I'm thinking about remembering the line I'm thinking about how I'm delivering the line I'm thinking about where I'm walking my feet <laughs> suddenly you're so aware of your whole body <laughs> interested to know you've done like I think like over 20 short films that I was looking on your IMDB or things like that and I was looking at like your 2018 project that you did, A Call to Arm, and then Super that you did in 2022. You've done a lot of things. And I also read in an interview that like you're kind of in these like gritty dramas, but you bring like lightness to them, all of the characters that you're playing. Interested in know, do you feel like there is something that you have done that you're like, okay, I'm parking that. I don't know if I want to touch it anymore. And then this is the aspect that I want to explore now more. Not really. I mean, I think I've been really lucky in that I've played a really huge range of roles and I've changed my appearance quite a lot as I've acted. So that's also opened up a lot of new things to me recently. So I'm really lucky. I, I don't think I've been pigeonholed yet. But yeah, no, I, I think it's been great in that I've, I've worked on sci-fi, I've worked on horror, the thrillers and the dramas. And yeah, I'd love to I'd love to add fantasy to that. Villains are always going to be the most fun. <laughs> Because it's, it's cathartic in a way. You get to express things that you would like and do things you would never do <laughs> in your normal life. And you're like, I can just be mean. And, and this is my job. Yeah. <laughs> you do stage combat and there was a lot of conversation in regards to like the activity of it. Have you done anything on that? Or is there something that you would like to explore? Um, I've done I've done it on a lot of short films. Um, yeah. I've also shown up to a lot of short films, and I've been the most qualified one because I'm I'm advanced certified BADC. Oh, that <laughs> means you get paid more. <laughs> well, more more like I go, ooh, maybe I should be choreographing this fight <laughs> instead of the person who likes parkour. So that's happened a few times as well, which technically. <laughs> shouldn't be choreographing but again it's the thing of like you've learned how to keep things safe yeah where you can, and like one of the most important things I think that you learn just at standard is where you can hit someone safely and like make contact with their body and no. not do anything to damage them <laughs> how long have you been doing that for and what made you get into that about five years but I can't remember I know I just like googled stage combat in my area and that's how I found the group that I worked with <laughs> oh. <laughs> And how is like stage combat London? <laughs> um, and True Edge came up and, and I went and trained with them. Um, and then they were doing like weekly classes as well for a while. And COVID stopped that, it was such a shame because I really enjoyed just like weekly going and playing with swords, it's really fun. God, have you do you get to do other things as well? Like, do you get to do archery? Uh, yeah, I do, I do archery. Um, oh. I again, I, I trained with a group, um, but then COVID happened, so I got my own bow. And um, I set up a like target in my back garden 
So I just kind of go out there and shoot sometimes. Although my neighbor is like a full on like Olympic archery champion. And I didn't know this until like I was shooting one day at the weekends. Like I can't shoot at the weekends anymore because he will come out and start telling me about his Olympic archery oh. career and like correcting my form. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just chilling in my back garden, man. <laughs> Just trying to it's do very intimidating to have like an Olympic champion watching your, your shooting. Like, no, I feel like there's a film in here. Film in here. There's a film in here. My mentor and he trains me, and I go to the Olympic. Yeah, yeah. If you want to make it thrillery, like you could become the psychopath, or they could become the psychopath, and then oh, like yeah. you know, there's like messed up shit in there. Um, yeah, like you know, sort of thing, or it could be like a romantic thing where one falls in love with them, and then you know they're not available, and they show up. I don't know, to a day or something. There's there's something in there. I'm telling you. There's something. Yeah. So many and genres. It, so many genres, and then how do you make it to the Olympics? Oh God! <laughs> All of this. Okay, let's get into personal stuff. It's if it's okay too. We were discussing this before, which is. I am intrigued being non-binary and how that plays into the constructs of what it means to be non-binary because there is almost now this poster image that becomes of what non-binary is and how you fit into that, how you come to settle on that, that this is how I identify and intrigued to know your personal journey for that. And then also how that plays into the industry, because I see sometimes creatives using it and being like, okay, I want to do work that is around that or agencies being like, oh, okay, cool. We've got this script coming in. I think it'll be great for that. Okay, let's just keep hounding them in with that work. Let's just keep doing that. When we use PR, when we do things like this, that should be a nice focus. So yeah, intrigued to know those aspects. Yeah, um, it's interesting that you say that about um, people being put up for non-binary roles and stuff and using it for their career, because I was terrified. I really? was terrified to come out. Like, I, the way I came out to my agent was I applied to a casting call on Twitter for a non-binary role, and the casting director sent through the tape via my agent, and she went, are you non-binary? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> if that's okay <laughs> if that's okay fine <laughs> yeah no she was wonderful about it I was I was terrified like I say I was just like what if it narrows everything too much and I mean this was back in 2020 so this was this was three years ago yeah I had I, I knew I was non-binary but I wasn't out professionally I was only out to like people that I knew that were close to me and I was I was genuinely fully ready to live my whole career as a woman and then I was like maybe when I'm like 40 I could just like vanish and come back at 50 and I've like transitioned <laughs> and it's just it's just happened over a decade and I'm just popped back up again like hey what's new <laughs> What did I miss? <laughs> um, but I'm really, I'm really, really glad that I did take that step and apply for that that casting call and come out because it's been wonderful and I've been really embraced by the industry and by everyone and I don't know what I was so terrified about. But I think you know we, we were raised in a time where hell trans wasn't even a big word at school and stuff. You know I I didn't know that you could be female to male trans like, yeah I, I thought the options were just oh yes there's trans women 
<laughs> that's that's what transgender is. And that's why I think representation is so important because now that there is more like non-binary roles out there, non-binary characters everywhere, non-binary actors just talking about being themselves. <laughs> um, and also trans men as well, getting more of a platform to actually speak about their existence. Uh, but yeah, so I yeah, I was I was I was so scared, but I'm so glad that that I did take the leap and my agent embraced that. And in terms of roles, like for me, for me, um, in terms of being non-binary, I just mean that I'm like not a man or a woman. And I think that's the thing is non-binary covers such a huge spectrum. It's like you're saying for everyone, it's a bit different what non-binary means. And the one stereotype you tend to see on screen a lot is essentially what I would call a repackaged butch lesbian. <laughs> 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 title of episode repackaged <laughs> lesbian it's very much that like quirky femme but light kind of girl that dresses as a man that's a non-binary person right and i think that that's that's a bit sad i'd love to see more like assigned male at birth non-binary people yeah in, in media because i think that that's severely lacking the idea is essentially that you can be a trans woman or you can be non-binary and there's the erasure of trans men and there's the erasure of people who are non-binary in so many different ways, other than the like quirky girl light style that you see. I was talking to somebody last week who was on the episode and they were talking about wouldn't it, I don't know if it'll happen in our lifetime, she was saying, but she was talking about the fact it'll be interesting to see projects just coming and happen to be. And I feel like, I think you said this in one of your interviews, where somebody just happens to be who they are. So the storyline doesn't call for it you're watching it and you're like oh that's a queer couple oh they're in a polyamorous relationship oh they're trans oh they're like this and I wonder what like we're we're taking steps but how it will get there and what it will look like again I think it's a thing of like the more of us that come out as actors and then just go up for roles in general like you know I said to my agent when I came out I was like just keep submitting me for roles of any gender and you know I'll, I'll show up to the audition if I get the job I'll be like hey (laughs) <laughs> does this have to be a boy or a girl <laughs> that's that I think fantasy is so good at that because you mm. could play around with the realms so much more than than like being prescriptive to like gender sex ethnicity and so many things and there are a couple and of ability I mean yes. so many of these roles that I go up for as well are able-bodied and I'm like could I use a walking stick in this is there any reason why I can't yeah could I use a wheelchair <laughs> you're so right and that adds like so much more I don't know it just adds to the world of yeah exactly and 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 like I think there's so many characters that yeah genuinely don't need to be able-bodied but they've just been written oh and then they walk here and then they go there and you're like that's uh... they roll there instead (laughs) 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 um and I think it's true of gender as well do you know what I mean like again like it really doesn't affect things as much as we place we place this idea that gender affects things so heavily in terms of narratives there's so many characters that could be any gender may i unpick that just a little bit more if that's okay which is reading up on yourself and looking at like all of the facets that were there and let me know if this is going off topic as well i saw like things that happened like like you had long hair and now you have short hair and it, at one point I saw you wore a sari to an event and then for Diwali you were wearing a Shivani and then intrigued to know like bringing culture into this and the conversation I'm sensing and feel free to tell me if this you're like no you're sensing it wrong but you have such a relaxed confident approach to now who you are like where where you're at but I feel like that takes journey right to get to there 
And I'm intrigued to know without poking, if you don't want to go there, which is how was that journey for you and what things played into it for you to be like, okay, I'm going to remove that. I see where it is. Like, let's say for a layman's aspect of like being South Asian, being like, oh, what will like my family say? What will the culture say? What will like these conversations be like? Will my parents be able to understand? What will the community say? And then being like, okay, I don't think I need that in my journey right now. I am who I am and people just need to accept it or respect it at the latest. Well, I think one thing that really helped me is that we kind of did that thing at university where our entire friend group started coming out. <laughs> we left uni Sorry. And suddenly Sorry. we were like, oh, we were all trans. We just grouped together. <laughs> um, so that that was really helpful because it meant that I could just go to my close friends and I already had a huge network of support. I think one thing is, is that we're all trans in very different ways. Mm. um so we were we like I didn't have like a direct mentor where I was like how do I dress more like a boy please tell me um <laughs> where I was just like I don't know how did, how did you start out working out what you wanted to wear um and at least they could sort of tell me that side of things like okay so well I did this um and I think that was really really helpful because it meant that you went through that kind of puberty stage when you come out and you're like I don't know what to wear I don't know how to dress should I cut my hair should I keep it long what do I want to do and I went through that really fast rather than over a very slow period of like oh that did not work oh I look terrible in those photos oh goodness I mean the first haircut that I got I it was I looked like a member of a k-pop band it was it was bad <laughs> and the album's coming out next week and it's coming out next week uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'm, I'm open to offers but you know like very quickly my friends were like you look like a k-pop member maybe you should try a different hairstyle <laughs> and so that was that was the main thing and also I think that one of my close friends Aiden is uh, also non-binary and uh, from and Bengali so again like she's really helpful in terms of just talking to you and sharing the stuff and like we talked about like because she has a lot of Shivani's and stuff um and I have a lot of saris and we were like we should swap because <laughs> we're like so we're similar sizes as well so we were like let's swap our stuff <laughs> and, and like swap back and forth and all of that thing so like I think uh, you know community yeah is what really helped me through all of that but yeah you got you got to you got to try everything out you got to go through puberty again and just be like oh boot cut jeans are just not the one for me thanks I think there's <laughs> such a revelation in that I said this to somebody interested you bringing up puberty I was like it's like I came out in terms of my sexuality and then I had to like I went through puberty I came out through my sexuality I came and now I have to do a coming out of like gender and I'm yeah. like what's gonna be the next thing right I, like fuck it out <laughs> Is there going to be more? <laughs> you never know. Like things are what just... Are gonna what are the kids going to discover? Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting as well. Like within culture, if you look back, like even let's take out South Asian out of the context, like in, in Greek history, in like mythology, like there's so many things that are listed about like being third gender, being fluid, being like able and like not able. Like there's so many things that are listed and you just get to a point where you're like, how did we get to the space now where we need to have these conversations and these actions Christianity. (laughs) (laughs) Controversial, controversial. Um, But that's why we got to this place. (laughs) I just, I think, you know, in terms of the West and colonialism, 
Um, a lot of ideas from the sort of like, there was Adam and Eve, <laughs> there were two genders, did kind of get taken around the world. Two cultures that previously were more open mm. to seeing gender as a spectrum, or at least as not a binary. Like, I think that's also just true in general of any religious dogma. Like, for all that Hinduism, like, embraces hijra as this third gender, even before the white British came in, it wasn't necessarily that, like, hijra were revered or loved. Like, you didn't want to get cursed by one. You didn't want to be on the wrong side. But it also was still an outcast status. So I think there's a thing of, like, any religion that starts to try and control its people too much will start to move into binaries. This is good, and this is bad. Mm. This is us, and this is them. And that's, a, you know, just a way to control a population, really. It's so, like, I, I find it dumb. I don't know what the word for it is, but we, I like, for Gujarati cultures, or like in Hinduism, there's like Garba, right? So like Navratri mm-hmm. and things like that. And I always find it... I'm a Patel, by the way, so... Are you a Patel as well? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> ah, Patel. <laughs> have you gone to Tooting where there is Patel Brothers? I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wanted to say this, which is like, it's so fascinating because Navratri celebrates feminine divinity, right? But then at the same time, you still have things like if you're on your period, you can't go to the temple because you're good. Like, I find that so, like so many things, as you were saying, the Hijra community, I was like, to this day, we're having progressive conversations, but like, I find certain things so an oxymoron. That's it. Yeah. And also, like, I think in terms of Hijra as well, it's still this third gender. And that doesn't leave space for trans women and trans men. Yeah. Who are women and men. And yet, you know, again, there's this impulse in Indian culture to just be like, well, you're just Hijra. You're just mm-hmm. other. And it's like, ooh, do we have to? Just make a, a third category to shove everyone into. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I lived, um, growing up, I lived near a temple that wouldn't let women in between the ages of 12 and 50, just oh, in case they were on their periods. And I was, I was absolutely enraged by this. Oh my I God. thought that was evil. <laughs> well, now I want to move on quickly to ambulatory. Am I saying it right? Such a big word. Ambulatory wheelchair user. If I say it slowly, asking me like I know. <laughs> if I say it slowly, maybe that will make sense. Yeah, interested in how that came come in your life. Would that be a right thing to say? Sure. Yeah. And has it challenged, has it renavigated your way of like day-to-day things as well as like your your aspects in like let's say being on set? And I really want to know about this experience that you had at the rep. Because you talked about how they, theater is all about inclusivity. I have found that they do so many like things to include things. And I'm interested to know how your experience was with that. And one of the people that I'm really intrigued by is like Amy Trigg. I don't know if you know Amy Trigg. They have Spina Bifida and oh. they're a wheelchair user. And they, they also did a show at the Kiln Theater, which was just them on their own, but as a wheelchair user. And it was demystifying a lot of things about being a wheelchair user. Yeah, one of the fun things about being an ambulatory wheelchair user is sometimes you're out in public and you need to reach something that's high up and you're like, everybody ready for a miracle? (laughs) You stand up and there's like music playing like, (laughs) and you pick the thing off the shelf and you sit back down again. (laughs) And everyone in the room is like, oh my goodness, they're short. But no. (laughs) 
Uh, I really, I honestly, there's 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 an evil part of me. You know, you talked about um, gaslighting people and manipulating people. There is oh. an evil part of me. Oh, I just want to approach those people in Leicester Square that are always like preaching and trying to get you to convert to whatever religion. Yeah, um, <laughs> and just go up, go up to them and, and and be like, oh my god, oh my god, it's working! You've cured me. Praise. Um, just, just <laughs> you know, like that's that's my honestly my darkest. Have you done it? Have you done it? I haven't done it yet. Can we go and I'll have my boss speaker behind me? (laughs) (laughs) Background score music. And just just, just to watch their faces when they'd be like, oh my God, I cured them. I cured them. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think there is this idea that like you're either in a wheelchair or you're not. (laughs) And so it can be very surprising and confusing to people when I'm able to like go between the two. And yeah, I think demystifying that stuff is really important because... People, people stare. Yeah, the wheelchair makes people stare. Wherever I go in public, there will be like five eyes on me, oh, at nice. least one one-eyed person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so, like, it makes me feel very self-conscious. I had to do a lot of work in terms of like being able to actually stand when I needed to because I felt like, oh, I should just stay in the chair, otherwise people are gonna think that I'm not a real disabled person, <laughs> which is so silly. How was your, like, what happened that you kind of started getting diagnosis? Is it just that you were getting tired or is it was like there was something physically happening that you were like, I just need to keep doing tests, tests, tests? I have chronic pain, which is super fun. Really, woohoo, welcome. But it's it's weird because basically it started, I was sitting at a restaurant, stood up and pain just radiated through my legs and it hasn't stopped since. It's been it's been a year. Oh God. The 8th of May last year was when I stood up. <laughs> because there was no accident um, and because there was no like clear cause, it was quite difficult medically just to get a diagnosis because everyone was asking me like, <laughs> like what happened? And I'm there like, I was eating? I stood up and now it hurts all the time. Why does it hurt all the time? And they're like, we don't know. So it just, it took a very long time to get my diagnosis of fibromyalgia, which is what I have. Um, but it is also, it is a diagnosis that you get when they've run out of tests to give you. Oh. That's the thing is fibromyalgia is very much a like, oh, we're not sure we're going to say this. <laughs> so it's, it's an interesting one because I'm so glad to finally have a word and to have mm. something I can search for and something that I can like, you know, look at medications that help with that and everything. Um, and they have, so woohoo. But it's still it's still in that weird wavy place where it's something that we don't know a lot of stuff about. Like I'm working things out, but so is everyone that's helping me. And then bringing that to set is quite a wild adventure because I'm there like, so I don't know my own limits. We're going to find out together. How's that conversation been in terms of like film and theatre then? Well, in terms of film, I was... I was very bad. I worked on Casualty and uh, the the reshoots for Obsession uh, while I was going through this. But at that time, I was only using a walking stick and I was resistant to using anything else because, again, I was like, this will be cured. I just need to rest. I need to go and see an osteopath. I I need to see my physiotherapist and do my little like stretches and I'll be fine. And yeah, I was not fine. But because of that, I wasn't very open with it, with the productions. And I myself was like, I'm just going to do it. So I pushed myself too far and like completely no blame on the production because I, I didn't tell them. And yeah, so that experience was quite different because then working with the rep, I came into it as a wheelchair user with them knowing and we went through a whole access rider and they applied, they helped me apply for this grant that helps you like access work as a disabled person. I don't think it ever came back. It, take, it takes like months. So it was the whole thing where like that grant might show up sometime in summer or not. 
But uh, yeah, so like that was a very different experience because I could ask for what I needed and they could actually like have that conversation with me about it properly. And yeah, and they were wonderful enough to provide me with a PA, which I hadn't had someone external helping me, like my partner, to yeah. carry me through this whole thing. So it was, it was a really different experience as well to have someone who's like employed to cook your meals and stuff. <laughs> I think some people like that. I know friends in the directing community that actually do that as a side thing to make money. Yeah. Lots yeah, of people. No, I, I, I'm this. I'm the worst person to become disabled because I'm so fiercely independent. Oh. Um, so like so much, I'd be there. Like, can I help? <laughs> can I do something? Can I stir something? <laughs> can I mix something? Can I chop something? Yeah. And she had to literally just be like, "Go rest." Um, I'm my own worst enemy, honestly, when it comes to disability, because <laughs> I think we all are. I think performers are the worst. Oh, but, aren't we? Yeah. Actors. All right, quick rounds. Let's do this. What is your favorite part of the job? Costumes. Oh, that, there's going to be a question on that after. I think you would like to impart on somebody, but you were never told about the industry or life in general. Advocate for yourself. <laughs> Say what you need. In that order. <laughs> Three things the industry could do with and or without. Could do with shorter hours. Okay. More, more days okay less hours and what it could do without overthinking Ooh. especially when it comes to casting overthinking castings i don't you don't need to have an image of the character in your mind oh th th there's a question on that coming up <laughs> now as well um the thoughts on your thoughts on digital space and its structure within the entertainment industry are pro for it and a con for it I wish I we didn't have to do social media <laughs> i would love to vanish from all social media and be an enigma forever well, any pro that's for it con. um no mystery uh, that's the con well where's the mystery but the pro is that you get to connect with other creatives like i wouldn't have met some of my best friends in this industry if we didn't just connect on twitter like oh you're daisy and disabled Hi, bestie. I, I was thinking about this even from like a theatre perspective. We were trying to get like South Asian BSL interpreters and there's not a lot. There's no, like... I mean, it's a small pool. It's a small pool. It is a small pool, which again, there's going to be a question of. One thing you would like for people to take away for, uh, with them, either having worked with you or having been around you. I would like them to take a feeling that they were seeing. You in a Celine Dion song. Yes. <laughs> um, But yeah, just that, that they were seeing, I guess that they had space help for them that's who i'd like to be on set any tips on picking a good monologue for auditions honestly watch the like film versions of theater got it when something strikes you steal that monologue <laughs> any tips on how to approach the audition process versus on set so like uh when you handle slides like how you create the character or things like that Audition process, I think, be ready to let go of any idea you had of the character. So right. anything you build, yeah, be ready to throw it all out at a second and do a take without any of that. Got considered. it. Because if you plan too much, you'll go in with one idea of the character and the director will be like, try the character evil now. And you're like, oh, I didn't consider evil. <laughs> That's a good one. May I ask, would you consider yourself solely just as an actor or because you've written... And you've directed, because you directed stuff in uni. And I don't know if you've directed stuff after that. But would you consider yourself a maker as well, or a multidisciplinary artist? Or you would consider yourself still just an actor and working on the other things? Yeah, I'd say I, I focus on the acting. I've written a bunch of films that I would love to make. 
but it terrifies me the idea of gathering together all of the people you need to make that happen <laughs> future future so future. just future, future. things God. I think it's again a thing of like i want to make sure everyone's paid fairly and God. that is so hard to do in the indie spaces where you're like oh maybe i need an actual funder <laughs> maybe i need to apply for bfi funding <laughs> so the question changes to take it how it is because you paint as well so I'm just going to say as an artist your strength as an artist as something you feel like that is like your let's say your your thing that nobody can touch it's your USP and something that you feel like is a challenge that you would like to get over and you're constantly working on it you know what I've been answered both with the same thing it's strength and a weakness which is oh. my attachment I feel like I give a hundred percent of myself to everything oh that I'm is can I just We're say that? It's such a corporate answer. You know, when you feel like that, it's like, what are your strengths and weaknesses? I feel like I am too, like, passionate about things. No, but it's the thing. Like, sometimes I have a vision in my head of the painting, and I'm like, this is this is how it's going to be. And then as I'm painting it, I'm like, it would be better if I changed this section or if <laughs> I didn't have the shark. Or if instead of a cloud, there was a whale over London. Um, no. <laughs> and letting yourself do that and not being precious about it really yeah. hard really hard oh. so I say it is a weakness as well because again with characters as well you know you'll be like this is my vision of who they are this is who I've built and then you'll come into a scene and they're like so we've rewritten some of the lines and you're like you what <laughs> <laughs> you did what to my character <laughs> I dare you Excuse me. <laughs> um, speaking of which, you can buy Sonera's artwork, which I'll put a link. So make sure you go and purchase. Was it in well, print? By prints of it. Yeah, by prints of it. That yeah, yeah. Which I'm gonna hit you by the way about because I'm trying to digitize my artwork as well, and I'm talking to people who do it because I want to know like what paper to use, how do you digitize it, what scanners to use, like do you get in a photographer, bits like that. Hit me up. Hit me up. Yeah, I will do. Um, um, what is intrigued to know? We talk about success a lot as performers and artists. What is your measure for success? Being able to afford to eat and just do the stuff that I enjoy. That's what I would call success. Do you have also conversations that now you have done these projects that are at, let's say, at a catalyst of the hands of like Netflix or like the Jude Loss, like these are big projects. Do you have conversations? Oh, I need to get a PR agency. I need to talk with my PR agency to like boost up my profile. I need to talk with my agent that I only want to do things like this. Like, do you guys work hand in hand in like profile building and getting specific projects? And are there like strategies or you're just like... I mean, definitely in terms of getting a PR agent, like my yeah. agent was like, hey, we should, you know actually introduce you to the industry now that you're you've got a like fairly main-ish role on a Netflix project um because you know after third day actually I had I had American agents approach me after the third day interested in repping me but because I already get a lot of tapes for America from my British agent I was like I don't see the point <laughs> but but I didn't have like you know a huge profile on the third day so it wasn't worth introducing me whereas like now it's like okay yeah now you can actually say hello I'm an actor you should put me in things um and I think also it was important as well um in terms of the PR to be able to get out there and say like I am playing any gender and I am playing roles in my wheelchair and out of my wheelchair and explaining all of that because again you can put ambulatory wheelchair user on your profile but most people reading that are going to be like what and I mean you can put I, I play all genders but again they're going to be like can I really bring them in for this? Does profile building, this PR and all of these things 
help the the job occupancy of your or like the job trajectory as well at, at this point in my career what I'm looking for is again to like get who I am out to casting directors mainly so that when they're thinking of their role that doesn't need a gender they'll be like oh maybe or when they're thinking of their role and they're like this one could be disabled mm. they'll, they'll be like maybe <laughs> So God. that's 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 like at this point I would say what I'm interested in. And then let me like obviously if there's directors as well, wonderful if they hear that and they're inspired. Hey, maybe they'll make the archery championship <laughs> competition film. Well you know, inspired by our conversation. You never know. You never know. Uh, is it imperative to learn the business of the industry, meaning like networking tools, name of casting directors, filmmakers, researching on the industry and etc.? Yes. Love it. The business is the job love it just one word (laughs) I'm recently very fascinated by the viability of being a freelancer in the industry unless you're contracted to like let's say a series that's Mm. reoccurring again and again again and learning about financial literacy which is like savings don't spend much more than you can have even if you're getting 200 pounds may I ask you if you have a tip or any sort of words of wisdom on those two things have a desi dad who controls your spending through your entire childhood so strictly <laughs> that you can't not <laughs> save and invest and <laughs> listen to his voice in your head every time you earn anything or want to spend a pound. Literally, if I wanted to spend a pound, what are you spending it on? Why? Do you need it? That's a really good point. Do you need it? Do you need it? <laughs> Do you need it? All right. A representation versus authenticity of storytelling. You talked about this a little bit where you were like less casting briefs. I'm intrigued to know if a casting brief calls for, let's say, a Romanian, transgender, deaf, Olympian. Does the role, does the person, does the actor playing that role, do they need to be fitting within the elk of all of those subcategories or can they just be one? Does the production and the cast or the crew need to represent echoes of that? Or does the storyline take precedence over anything? I think that crew should represent so much more in terms of what's being presented on screen. Like with Obsession, we had so many bases because we had this Indian family right at the center of everything. But behind the screen, there really weren't many South Asians working on it. And I think that that's a shame. I think it would have been nice to have a South Asian writer. It would have been nice to have South Asian like runners and stuff like that. Just in general, just more more of that community because all of that just enhances what you see on the screen. Like every single crew member, no matter how small, influences the final product that goes out there. Mm. And so I think that the diversity on that side of the screen should be considered way more. In terms of do they need to fit all of those categories, I think it, it it really matters what's in the script. If the fact that they're Romanian is such a huge thing, if it's part of their whole narrative, then yes. If it's a, it's a, an accent and the other stuff is more important, their like their deafness and their Olympic, I mean, I feel like they probably wouldn't need to be an Olympian because the ma- movie magic can make anyone an Olympian. <laughs> um, uh, so that's the one that I would say you could absolutely ignore. But if they were their deafness and their disability was a major part of it, yeah, more so than their ethnicity, then I would say their ethnicity would come last. But I think I think passing is pretty good in general for those kind of roles where it is so specific, where they will look for everything first, and then they'll just yeah. start taking like what isn't as relevant. <laughs> 
when they like okay we haven't found it okay take maybe romanian can come off and the rest we can look for what words of wisdom would you give to your mirror self today if you looked in the mirror value yourself trust yourself Ooh, mm. there's lots of wisdom in you <laughs> is there I don't feel like it's translating to, to me. <laughs> I, I feel like there is. There you go. I've said it. I've said it. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you. Um, these two questions I like to ask everybody, which is, I feel like a person who's convicted in their path has three very strong pillars, which is confidence and grit that comes from within, or it can be surrounding spirituality. So that can be of something greater than realizing whether you have a religion or not faith whatever things so some sort of spirituality and the third is support so that can be financial support family support friend support what industry support whatever it is if you didn't have not knowing a lot that I know about you obviously if you didn't have those three pillars in any way shape or form do you feel like you would be the person that you are today or find your path to the person that you are today and do the work that you're doing no, not at all. I don't even know who that person would be because those are so fundamental in who I've become. So, Peaks and valleys is your last deep, meaningful questions, which is a peak is a high point of your personal professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? Valley is a low point of your personal professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? Obsession was a high point because it was so much fun. Again, not to be basic, but it was amazing. Working with everyone on that was just that that whole the whole production was peak um we were just on top of a mountain the whole time um no but like I I genuinely had such a fantastic time and I felt so supported by the other actors uh the directors were just brilliant honestly best directing team I've ever worked with sorry to my friends that I've worked with as directors um <laughs> you amount to nothing you're shit I'm Bye. So sorry I love you too but like <laughs> Len and Lisa were just amazing <laughs> valleys um God, so many valleys to choose from. I would say that there was a time on a production a while ago um, where I got a little like too attached mm -hmm. to some of my castmates and trying to deal with the understanding to let them go and live their own lives when there wasn't much going on in my own one. Mm. That was a valley for me. Like in terms of, you know, when you work on a project, as soon as you finish, everyone goes off and splits in a thousand different directions and goes and works on loads of other things. And if you're not working at that time, it can be really hard because you want to hang out. You want to keep it going. You want to stay in that good time. Learning to let them go and find something in your life. Really hard. That I struggled with that. But that's how I'm like painting, knitting other hobbies something yeah. to keep me going on, the, on when, I, when the acting isn't going basically all right now we're playing the game the games are called super child play with Rob. there's gonna be some segments they gotta be rapid they gotta be quick they gotta be original you got this if you were a movie what would the original title of that movie be first thing that comes into your mind chaos destruction oh, it's just one title <laughs> No, that's this that comma chaos, destruction, joy. Oh, okay, I like it. Um, what would the logline on IMDb be? Go. Non-binary person struggles with life, causes so much chaos for the people around them, but comes out in the end against their struggles. Nice. Through their the, the joy. God, loglines are hard. Um, give me three actors that will star in it. Go. Priyanka Chopra. Deepika Paragone, Richard Armitage. If you were a drink, what would you be? Uh, mango Lassi. If you were a fruit, what would you be? 
Uh, kiwi. Clothing item. Shoes. Dessert. Chocolate cake. If you were a food, what cuisine and dish would you be? Uh, idli sambar. A flower on plant and which type? Cedar tree. Have you ever, is the next question, have you ever hooked up with a fellow artiste or admirer? Yes. <laughs> have you ever flirted to get ahead somewhere? Yes. <laughs> ha- have you ever joined the Mile High Club or done something intimate in public? No. Have you ever peed while swimming? Yes. Have you forgotten the words and made it up on the spot? Yes. I don't know why I'm going posh. Eaten with <laughs> well, I was going like, forgotten, made it up on the spot uh, and gone yes. RP so that they people yes. believe you more. <laughs> yes. Have you ever eaten within a couple of seconds of something dropping on the floor or in the bin? Yes. All right. What would you rather, rich or fame? Rich. Cookies or cake? Cake. Critical claim or win lots of awards? Critical claim. Netflix or Prime? Netflix. Fairy tale or mythological tales? As one option, or real life stories? Fairy tale or mythological tales? World peace or equality? Equality. Dogs or cats? Cats. New writing or repertoire pieces? New writing. Theatre or film? Film. Oh, <laughs> this is now about you. Your best and worst costume you've ever worn? Best was Sally's. Uh, so comfy. Worst costume was a thin slip dress running around in winter, pretending that I was walking through a field of wheat. Like I was in a field. Mm. The wheat was like dead. Mm. Um, and running my hands through it, freezing. They had like three hot water bottles that they oh. had to keep giving me. Oh God! Best like, and most takes. Best and most challenging role you've ever done. I would say Casualty, Raphael Capelli. Mm. Best and most challenging. I think his character was the closest to my real life, and I prefer to become someone else when I'm acting. So. <laughs> and then the worst. The the girl who was running around in winter. God, that was a that was a very empty role. I think I had two lines in the whole thing. Yeah. And I was running around. A lot in dresses. Not <laughs> I enough. I say what project that was. <laughs> I was going to ask you, can you please tell me? That's okay, we'll move on. <laughs> All right, the next, the next section is called Can You Improv Though? Where basically it's broken down into two things. I'm going to show you two clips of your acting and then I'm going to pause them and you need to finish the lines. Oh, look how fun it is to remember the old things that you've done. Let's go. You said you have a name. What is it? I'm Jalen. Jalen Marker. Kerak. Okay, Kerak. I want to go home and see my family too. You have to trust me. What does she say? Um, I have no idea. You got to <laughs> make it up. Do you have to trust me? Why should I? Distract in T minus 30 seconds. Oh god, I did just trust her. You let her go. There you go. Alright. I don't really know who else to talk to about this. What is it? It's Dad. I think... It's Dad. I think he's having an affair. Uh, Keep going. Do I go straight into, oh, I've been sending these texts, God sounds so stupid, but I didn't know what to do. All right, let's see. Let's see. I think there's a line in between. I've been, I've been sending these texts. God, sounds so stupid. But oh! Oh! What would you look at that? Would you look? Oh my at... goodness! The doubt, the doubt, the self-doubt. See, I need trust, to trust yourself. yourself. Trust yourself. All right, this. Need to is... self. Trust yourself. <laughs> trust yourself. 
You get to improv for 30 seconds. However, you have an option. Either you sell me a pitch of a project that you want to produce, or like a film you want to produce, or you get, create a 30-second monologue. However, in both of the scenarios, you have to do one thing, which is I'm going to give you three words and you mm -hmm. must include them in okay. either of them. What would you like to? Uh, I will pitch a project. Okay. The three words that you have to use is because you're good you. Yeah, you have to use the word shark in it. Okay. Panting. Panting. And, panting and luminescent. Those are three words. I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock. You're 30 seconds. Can you improv though? Go. So a um, English girl swaps places with an Indian girl um, and has to learn the culture there because she's never been to India before. So she learns about eating shark um, and she's uh, terrified about it. There's lots of panting um, and you see the English side too where everything is so bright and luminescent and it's very confusing for both girls, but they learn a lot. I want to see I want to see a treatment and I want to see a second draft is what I'm intrigued by it as the head of Yashraj Chopra's whatever's but I would like to yeah see a treatment please thank you all right your last two questions everybody loves a rant however the question the the thing is not the question you have 30 seconds to rant about everything and anything that you want to but you have to either at the start or the end of the rant say what the chai what the chai? What the chai? Is this like what the f? We're trying to do branding. We're trying to do merchandise. You know, shirts might come out, things like that. You know, just just get on it. Just do it, please. Do you know anything that you want to rant about? Veganism. As in, like you hate them? No, I'm vegan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is your thirty seconds. What the chai? Go. What the chai? Everyone always says that vegans talk about themselves all the time, but really it's carnivores that will always be coming in being like, I couldn't give up bacon, I couldn't do this. Literally, you'll just say like, oh, I'm vegan when someone's offering you food and they'll be like, oh, are you one of those vegan that, that wants to like talk about being vegan all the time? And you're like, I'm literally giving you information. Whereas you're the one that will be like eating a carrot or something and they'll be there like, oh, I just, I couldn't eat a carrot because I love cows so much. I love eating them. What the well done well done and your last question is i am obsessed with being joyful and bringing joyfulness to other people so my question to you is pal what is one thing that makes you feel joyful and what is one thing you do for others that makes them feel joyful my cats make me feel joyful they bring a lot of joy like watching them fall off things is hilarious <laughs> why uh, why am I saying this again but like make them feel seen I try um I think I'm quite good at holding space yeah like when someone's upset or going through it I would say that I'm fairly good at making it not about me being there for that person <laughs> Well, everyone, that brings us to an end, and I hope you enjoyed that. I want to say a massive thank you to the guest for their time. All of the information about the guest, myself, and the show will be listed in the bio. Make sure to follow, share, comment, and subscribe. Show us all some love, because isn't that what we want at the end of the day, some love? Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow and the people that are on here. Thank you again, and as I always say, breathe in, breathe out. I must go, which means now I must go. I own that that is copyrighted and I will sue. <laughs> Joking. Have a great one and stay curious. Till next time.